What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about Kevin Love, who suddenly wants to return to the Pacific Northwest, and maybe, just maybe. Talk a little bit about trade season, what Neil Olshay says his plan is as the Blazers enter the part of the NBA year that teams begin to readjust their roster. And I want to close the show talking about weird lineup stuff. Terry Stotts is doing, that's right, real basketball things happening on the floor, not just transactions. But let's start with the biggest headline of the week here in Rip City. Kevin Love reportedly would prefer to play in his hometown of Portland, Oregon. Uh, If you want to be really specific about it, he's from Lake Oswego, a suburb south of town. But geography is not the point. The point is that Kevin Love is maybe specifically entertaining the idea of playing for the Portland Trailblazers for the first time in his professional career. Let's catch up on the happenings, how we got to this point. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported about seven days ago when you're listening to this, six or seven days ago when you're listening to this, that Love had informed the Cavaliers that he's open to being traded, that even he wants to be traded. He'd like to go play for a contender. And the Cavaliers, heading into this December month, December 15th, uh, it's not like the start of trade season. Trades aren't going to happen like all willy-nilly on December 15th, but it just means that players who are signed to the offseason can be traded. It basically means everyone in the league is available, so it opens up everyone's rosters to be traded. So heading into this, heading into this date, Love has told the Cavs that he'd like to be traded. He'd like to be traded to a, to a better team, to a different situation. Cavaliers are one of the worst teams in the NBA. They've got a young core. They don't need... 31-year-old Kevin Love aboard. And then, so now with that knowledge, people start asking around, where does Kevin Love want to go? And Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer reported this week that Love would prefer to play for his hometown Portland Trailblazers, and O'Connor is citing multiple league sources with that report. So that's the news. Kevin Love. Kevin Love, start your sirens. Kevin Love is at least considering coming back to the Blazers in a in a serious way. Obviously, he can't talk about that publicly. Um, it's just not how it works. Um, but if it's being talked about with any specifics behind the scene, at least someone somewhere, his agent, his people, are willing to put it on the record or other people are speculating. I have a couple thoughts about this. One... We will talk at a future date about what a Kevin Love trade would look like. Because I think what it looked like matters more than just the nuts and bolts. Would Kevin Love help the Blazers? Almost certainly, depending on who you have to give up. Their front court isn't very good. He would be a big upgrade. So we don't need to debate that. I don't feel the need to debate that personally. And what it might look like is the big deal. What parts do you have to send out? What picks? What players? All that. We'll get to that at a later date. Next week when trade season officially starts, I promise you, I'll give you at length thoughts about Kevin Love type trades because he's the name that keeps popping up. And now his name keeps popping up, not just tied to the Blazers like, hey, they should go trade for this guy, but hey, he might want to be traded there. 
But I have my big thought, my the thing that comes to mind first when I see this news is that this information coming out makes it might make it harder for the Blazers to acquire him. Here's two reasons. One, everyone knows the Blazers are scuffling and not good right now, and the Blazers didn't do themselves many favors when at the beginning of this season they talked about winning a championship. Both their player, their coach, their executives were talking trophies at the beginning of the year. So them being five, six games under 500 doesn't put them in a in a good position around the league because everyone knows that they're maybe not desperate, but eager is probably the right word to make a trade to get better. I'll talk a little bit about how the Blazers are going to approach this trade season and, and, and sort of how they're going to, how they want to change their roster in the second segment. But the rest of the league knows that the Blazers have dealt with injuries, have dealt with maybe some, not even maybe, have dealt with some bad decisions they made in the summertime to bring in what they thought was depth and turned out to just be bad players. So everyone kind of knew around the league that they were a team that was going to look to make a deal, which I think can make it tough for them. Just drives up the price. Teams know if if you're a buyer in a seller's market, it's tough. But in addition, I think Love singling out the Blazers, and he hasn't done this, obviously, but but that sort of that being in the zeitgeist is that Love wants to play here, and as that becomes sort of um, a, a narrative throughout the league, or or even, whether it's true or whatever, if it becomes well known around the league or suspected around the league, it makes it even harder for the Blazers to specifically engage with the Cavaliers. What it reminds me of is when. Anthony Davis started specifically angling to go to the Lakers, and that meant. Most of last year leading up to the trade deadline, what the Pelicans were asking for in a package to to give up Anthony Davis was massive. Obviously, it's a very different type of thing. Anthony Davis was 24, one of the five best players in the NBA. He only had a year left on his contract. He was going to make life miserable for the Pelicans. They needed to get rid of him. Kevin Love has... A deeper history, more success with the Cavaliers. He's 31 years old. He's not one of the top five players in the NBA. He's not even one of the top five players at his position. But he's still really good. Which means that the Cavs would ask for a lot in return. And when you single out a destination, a la Anthony Davis, the Pelicans started asking for essentially the entire Lakers roster. We want every young player and every pick you got. Now, the Cavs aren't going to ask for every young player and every pick the Blazers have in order to acquire Kevin Love, but I, my gut reaction to this Kevin Love report is that it makes the price, it was already going to be an expensive price considering the Blazers' situation, like I said, buyers in a seller's market, but when you single out, hey, this is the place I want to go, it makes it even more challenging to get a deal done. I don't think it stops any deal from getting done. I just think it drives up the price slightly or at least drives up where the starting asking price is, where the that initial asking price from the Cavs. And you better believe the Cavs and Blazers have... I've reported on this podcast in the past that... Uh, the Blazers have inquired about trading for Kevin Love in past seasons, and you better believe Neil Olshay has already talked to Cavaliers GM Kobe Altman about what Kevin Love trades might look like. 
even if they haven't talked specific players and all those things, he said, Kobe, what kinds of things do you want? Is it young players? Is it picks? Is it both? Is it expiring contracts? Do you just want to get out from under the money and be cool? And the money's a big deal. Let me mention this to close the segment. is that Kevin Love, still on the hook after this season for about $90 million. He'll make $31 million next year, $31 million in 21-22, and then $28.9 million in the 22-23 season when he will be 34 years old. It's big money. It's going to be a big swing. And if he wants to come here, it might end up being a big deal. Not just like it's a big deal, but the package might be a lot too, is what I'm trying to say. So Kevin Love wants to come home. In the second segment, I want to talk about how the Blazers plan to approach this exact type of thing. Going into a season when you can make trades and restructure your roster, how will the Blazers approach upgrading this team for the near term and the long term? All right, so we just talked Kevin Love. He wants to come home. But if he wants to come home to the Portland, that means the Blazers got to make a trade. And I think we're all anticipating, and we all, I mean, I am anticipating and assuming that many of you listening share my belief that the Blazers will make a trade at some point. Hassan Whiteside's expiring contract and his position as a center on a team that has Yusuf Nurkic makes it basically imperative that you move him for something at some point. He makes a ton of money, which means what you bring back in return will almost certainly be a player who is very well compensated. But how the Blazers approach that may have... It might be different than what... I think the average fan would prefer they would do. So for some insight into what the Blazers will do or how they will approach the rest of the season, we'll turn to Jason Quick of The Athletic, who caught up with Neil Olshay literally in the back hallway <laughs> uh, at, the, at the Moda Center. And what Neil told Jason Quick of The Athletic was, and I quote, we are going to stay disciplined. That doesn't mean we are not going to stay opportunistic, okay? You can hear Neil say that if you've heard him, uh, if you heard him talk enough. doesn't mean we're not going to be opportunistic, okay? But the bar for how big of an impact somebody has to make to really make an outcome-related impact is higher. And Quick followed up and said, so what the hell does disciplined mean? And Neil expanded. The discipline comes in that the starting lineup next year is Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Rodney Hood, Zach Collins, and Yusuf Nurkic. Are we going to get are we going to get there? Now some of those guys will be back this year and some won't. But what we are not going to do is give away long-term assets that can help get this team to where we really want to be and where we thought we were back in September. All for some incremental upgrade today. So I think that final quote actually gives you the most insight into how the Blazers and how Neil will approach these next few months leading up to the February 6th deadline. My instincts, like I mentioned in the first segment, is that they still will try to make a trade. They still will see what they can get for Hassan Whiteside, see what they can get for expiring Kent Bazemore. But I think what Neil is... is 
Well, one thing he says, he says explicitly, and I think we should all take this into consideration, and I'll read it for you again one more time. The starting lineup next year is Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Rodney Hood, Zach Collins, and Yusuf Nurkic. Does that sound like a guy who's going to trade Zach Collins in any trade coming up? No, it does not. I would take Zach Collins off your boards. Off, I would take Zach Collins out of your trade machines. I'd probably go ahead and delete Anthony Simons off those trade machines too while you're at it. So I don't think there's an all-in move necessarily that involves trading Zach Collins. Straight up, I don't think there's an all-in move that involves trading Zach Collins for this year. And I think the Blazers would prefer not to chase guys with expiring contracts. I don't think they want to trade Hassan Whiteside or Kent Bazemore's expiring deal to land another different part on an expiring deal. I think they would for the right piece. I think they would consider the Otto Porter types. I don't think Danilo Gallinari is a great target for him, but I think they would consider it if it's just flip out Kent Bazemore for Danilo Gallinari's money and see what happens. I think if Yusuf Nurkic comes back healthier and gives them enough indication prior to the trade deadline that that might change what type of player you flip Hassan Whiteside for. But I think Neil's being... I think Neil's being upfront about how he's going to approach it. He is not going to make a trade that gets rid of who he believes is his young special core in order to chase the sixth seed in the West this year. He would be, he would like to be more patient, more prudent, and acquire someone that can help for several years and be part of the, the team's plans for more than one season, more than just, you know, 40 games and, and more like 100 games, if not more. And he's not going to give up the young parts. He's not, Zach Collins is off the table. Simons is probably off the table. So now you're talking about what can the team get for two expirings, a first round pick and Gary Trent Jr. Or maybe Nazir Little, not even hundred percent sure he would trade Nazir Little, but I think what Neil is saying, and he's saying it on the record. And, and so this sends a signal both to the fan base and to you know, GMs that maybe he hasn't spoken with, is that the Blazers are not, while they may have been in all-in mode when the season started, they've, they've recalibrated on the fly. And I talked about how they've, they you could just tell talking to the players that they sort of recalibrated their expectations on the fly, but seems like the front office has too, is that when Zach Collins went down in the second half of Game 3, they realized that this roster was incredibly thin and really missed a player they were going to count on. When Pau Gasol never came back from that foot injury, and why the Blazers were counting on a 39-year-old coming off foot surgery is a, its own mystery, but they realized that the front court wasn't going to get the help maybe they thought they were going to get a little bit of in, in, in a Hall of, an aging Hall of Famer. And when Rodney Hood tore his Achilles the sort of salvaged new roster when Carmelo started to help this team make a little bit more sense by letting everyone play reasonable roles, somewhere between 
September and all those injuries and just the reality of what this roster is actually like, Neil Olshay has changed his, we are going to win a championship to, we are going to win a championship sometime in the next two seasons. Or we want to we want to be competing for a championship for three years because maybe this year isn't the one. And he even says as much in that quick piece that I'm quoting is uh, that they've got, you know, backups playing starters and guys who are supposed to be in the G League playing rotation minutes, which is basically his way of talking about Nazir Little. But While I could probably, and I have in the past, criticized Neil for this roster he built and maybe overvaluing the depth, not even maybe, but wildly overvaluing the depth, I don't know if I can criticize him now for changing his stance on how to upgrade this roster. I think it's reasonable to be cautious with these trades. I think you can chase a guy like Kevin Love if the price is right. I think you can figure out what the price would be on someone like Blake Griffin and someone like LaMarcus Aldridge. But looking at this roster and saying, we need someone to play, we need a, a desperate upgrade at small forward who can help us, we'll, t- we'll trade anything would be irresponsible. They've got pieces they can move. they got all their first round picks that they can move, but... Olshay said it on the record. They are going to be disciplined. So keep that in mind when you're considering the Blazers' trades. He's been as clear as he ever is publicly about how he will approach things. He usually says wild things like, we'll be aggressive but smart. We'll be aggressive but patient. I think him him laying out that Zach Collins and Rodney Hood are going to be back and start on this team next year gives you a sense of where his mind is. And gives you a sense of how he's going to approach these next few months. All right. In the third segment, I'm going to come back and talk about wacky lineups and little rotation wrinkles that we've seen from Terry Stotts over the last two games against the Knicks and the Nuggets. The Blazers haven't made any trades yet, so that means their coach has to uh, start experimenting. All right, so we talked Kevin Love. Talked Blazers trades and how Neil Olshay will approach the next couple months. Now it's time to talk about what's happening on the court. Like I mentioned, Blazers haven't made any trades. So it's on Terry Stotts to kind of reconfigure things. And he's shown a few new wrinkles over the last couple days, couple games. Against the Knicks, the Blazers just blew out the Knicks. Just absolutely blew them out. So the experimenting there, maybe you can dismiss because the Knicks are bad. In that game, uh, Terry turned to Anthony Simons as the first sub off the bench. He went 10 deep in the first half, which is something that he doesn't always do. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. returned from a hamstring injury, and he played extended minutes for the first time in a while. But the big thing that happened in that game... Oh, also the Blazers played zone for a couple of possessions on defense. Uh, but the big thing that happened in that game was that late in the second quarter, midway through the second quarter, Terry Stotts tried out the Scalabissier-Hassan-Whiteside pairing. The first time all season that the two of them had shared the court together. Uh, Scal told me early in the season that he didn't really know the plays from power forward. He just, uh, he had been in training camp and stuff. He'd always been a five. He'd always been 
uh, going through things as a five. And because the Blazers don't hammer home a ton, they just don't do, they don't practice very much. They go over stuff and walk through stuff and do some like five on O things, but they don't, they're not coming out there and run through full speed sets and really practicing. So it made sense that Scow, who had mostly been treated as a center, maybe didn't know the other parts of the playbook. But I think now, 25 games into the season, he's more comfortable. And the Blazers are more desperate than they've been. They've got to figure something out. Anthony Tolliver can't play in that spot. He's just he's just no good. Mario Hazonia's probably better at the three. I mean, he's probably better not playing at all, if we're being keeping at 10,000. But he's... Uh, his la- his lack of rebounding has hurt the Blazers at the four spot. His his lack of physicality has hurt them a couple times. He's just better if he's gonna play. He's probably better as a small forward. So with all that in mind, Stotts has turned to a couple new wrinkles. And this new wrinkle, the 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 thing is going big. The Blazers kind of always envisioned themselves going big this year. They wanted to play two seven footers at the same time with Zach Collins and uh, Hassan Whiteside. Scalabissier is not Zach Collins. <laughs> he's just he's just not as good as him at, at any level. I don't think there's anything that he's he's like specifically better at it than Zach. But it does give the Blazers a little bit different look just because of the length. And Scal does have shooting touch. While he's not a three-point shooter, he can shoot mid-range jumpers, so he can space a little bit and, and hasn't caused too many problems. And after we saw it against the Knicks, where I kind of dismissed it as, you know what, the Knicks are specifically bad and you can specifically do it against them because they're, they have 47,000 power forwards on the roster and none of their bigs can either shoot or dribble. So it's the perfect time if you're going to play two guys who are basically centers. That's the exact franchise you'd like to do it against. But Stotts tried it out against the Nuggets too, mostly with Scalabas here playing against Jeremy Grant. I don't, like, back a power forward spot, Grant coming off the bench. Scout also played a little bit against Paul Millsap, but it was mostly Grant who he matched up with. Uh, Grant hit his first five shots and a bunch of three-pointers just spacing out on the wing. I don't know if those were all Scal's issues. I'd have to re-watch those possessions, but I don't know if it was super effective against the Nuggets. But I don't think the point is whether it's effective or not. I mean, eventually the point becomes whether it's effective or not, right? Because who plays together matters. If you listen to this podcast, you know that I think the main thing an NBA coach does during the week is decide who plays together and when. But I think what that says is more about where the Blazers are at as a team. They just desperately need to do, to try something. They need, they're, they're after losing the Nuggets, they're now 1-10 against teams over 500. Their one win came against the Dallas Mavericks in the third game of the season. That was the night Zach Collins got hurt. So basically, since Collins' injury, they haven't beat a good team. And Stotts, to his credit, someone who I think, if you've watched this team a bunch, maybe the criticism of Terry Stotts is that he's sort of maybe unwilling to try new things, that he's fairly stubborn and stuck in his ways. But with a new roster and a struggling team, He's willing to try stuff out. He was willing to insert Nazir Little at Power Forward and see what worked. He's been experimenting. You know, early in the season wasn't a good call, but playing a small lineups with Tolliver at the five, trying to figure out if Mario Hazonia can play four consistently, trying anywhere to figure out what to do on that front line that really struggles. So 
Scal got his minutes with Hassan Whiteside in both halves. Came in in the second quarter, they tried it out again in the third and a little bit to open the fourth. I don't think it's a great look or a long-term solution, but like I said, I think it's more about what it says about where this team's at. What it says about what they need to do is they just need to try anything. It's, it's time to start throwing stuff at the wall. And in some ways, it's easier to make those mistakes going bigger than it is making those mistakes going smaller. This team already struggles on defense. They struggle rebounding the ball. So why not take your only two real bigs and try them out together? It was pretty effective against one of the worst teams in the NBA, and it wasn't very effective against a playoff team in the West on the road. But I think... The spirit should be celebrated more, is that a willingness to try things. You know that I've said that maybe the Blazers should just go super small, and I would like to see Terry Stotts do it. I'd like to, I'd like a Carmelo Anthony at the five for three and a half minutes in the second quarter. Just totally spread it out, try to get as many offensive players on the floor as you can. The problem is the Blazers don't have wings to really make people pay. Kent Bazemore can't shoot. Uh, Anthony Simons has kind of been up and down, although he started to hit shots over the last week. And I'm not specifically saying play Carmelo at center. I'm saying I'd like to see something like that. I'd like to see something something very much outside the box. That's why I'm in favor of maybe a couple more games of seeing if the Scow-Whiteside pairing works. This roster is flawed. It needs help. That's why I spent the first two segments of this podcast talking about trade scenarios, talking about shifting things. This group as currently constructed is not going to be good. And they're not going to be super terrible, but they're not going to be good teams as currently constructed. So that's why I applaud at least the idea, the spirit of, hey, let's throw something new at the wall. Let's try some different wrinkles out. Let's play zone for two minutes. Let's give Gary Trent Jr. an extended run to see if he can resurrect the bench unit that can't score. And let's play our two biggest players together and see if that helps us in the defensive glass. Not sure it's a solution, but I think it's the direction this team needs to head because they got to be creative with a bad roster and a bad record. That's going to do it for today's show. I really appreciate you listening. Do me a favor and tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can find it wherever they already get podcasts. That's on Google and Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. I really appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.